So, you've returned. Back for more of the Spectre's creepy tale. Are you a glutton for fear? Well, don't worry, friend. I'll continue the story. We have plenty of time to die. <laughs> yes, friend. But first, I must tell you of another adventure that awaits you. For the time to die, Radio Network has many such tales. It's the story of a police detective and a priest who head out into the Wild West. There, they meet with an orcish guide who takes them to a small town where evil is lurking. Best saddle up, partner, cause you're in for gunfights, possessions, and my personal favorite, decapitations. <laughs> the story is called Fillmore's Crossing, and it's waiting for you to give it a listen if you dare. Wisconsin in the dead of winter. The scene was set by Tim Demuse, the game master. We can go ahead and uh, open up with uh, the Palm Lounge, which is a uh, very nice bar um, with a bunch of tables sort of um, gathered. So that they we met Elliot Holloway, played by Chris O'Reilly. Due to heavy snowfall, Elliot was dropped off at the Four Seasons on his way to the town of Marinette. He was familiar with the Four Seasons, however, and particularly familiar with a woman who worked there. Is Nora working tonight? She's the head housekeeper. Um, so maybe. Not sure. It's fine. Don't don't bother if you, if you don't know. Um, I'm sure I'll see her around. Um, well, uh, thank you anyway. Oh, uh, I need the key. We also met Ronnie Pinkerton, played by Brian Bridges. Ronnie was bartending at the Palm Lounge inside the Four Seasons. He was quite the chatterbox and quick at making friends. A little trade secret, Vandemeek. You see a couple wise guys like that, you want to get in good quick. That's why I gave him the bottle. I don't think he's going to pay for it. Also at the Palm Lounge was Dart Vandermeek, played by Eric Pat. Dart was the accordion player and leader of the jazz band, the Danish Dart. Is your full name D'Artagnan? Oh yeah, but no one really calls me that. Doesn't roll off the tongue too well. Plus there's a couple people, uh... You know, over to seas where I was going, they they kind of struggled with it, called it Dartagnan, and so I, uh, you know, 
Didn't want to throw him off. While they were enjoying an evening of luxury and spirits, we also whisked over to Marinette, Wisconsin, where we met Dr. Dorothy Greenbank, played by Aubrey Gray. Dr. Greenbank had been investigating a possible local cryptid, only to realize it was a rambunctious boy in a costume. I'm sorry, are you this, are you this boy's mother? Oh yeah, um, what was Edgar doing? I feel like you should know that Edgar is interfering with the research of an academic. Oh no. Finally, as the music died down and the night was coming to a close, we received a shocking surprise. The patio doors burst open from the wind and this incredibly cold draft starts blowing through the room along with a bunch of snowflakes and uh, I mean it's incredibly cold and it's just a rush. Which shortly thereafter became downright terrifying. And you see these small handprints. No bigger than the size of a toddler's, maybe an infant. Like, it's very small. But there's a few of them that are just appearing in the frost, sort of melting it and creating these handprints. But there's nothing on the other side of the glass. When they get up to the top, you see the doors rattle a little bit, and then they rattle harder. And then the glass just bursts forward, and it showers all over Dart and Elliot and... It's this loud sort of howling scream that echoes throughout this room. And then it gets eerily quiet and the wind dies down and the snow stops. And you hear the footsteps again, but they sound like they're getting further away, crunching through the snow. Let's return now and see what each of our characters are doing the following morning as we continue our tale of the Devil's Antlers. I think that uh, we will open up the next morning with uh, you, Dr. Greenbank. Um, I would imagine that you probably wake up relatively early. Um, do you wake up at dawn, before dawn? Like, how how early of a riser is Dr. Greenbank? Dr. Greenbank probably isn't too early of a riser. She's probably used to having morning classes, so probably around six or seven. So not like stupid early, but early. You know, she gets up, she feeds the cat, and then she's gonna make two phone calls. One to the university to say that she's going to be out of town for a few days so she won't be in her office. And uh, two to uh, her daughter to 
be like, hey, can you take care of my cat for a couple days? For a while, while I'm out of town. I'm going up north on some business. Okay, cool. Um, the sun is shining today. It's a much better day, a good day for travel. It's not snowing or anything like that, so you would assume that since it looks like the snow stopped, uh, you know, late or early in the morning, however you want to look at it, uh, last night, it should be clear. At least you hope that the plows have gone through and the majority of the roads that you would need to take, and so, um... If you would like to be on your way, you can absolutely do that. Yep. She's loading up her car with all of her uh, stuff. We will uh, flash over to Elliot. Uh, when you wake up, your head is probably pounding pretty good from all of the liquor that you were drinking last night. Um, like really quickly after you wake up there's a knock at your hotel room door all right um yeah i'm going to uh get up i i still slept in my in my clothes too so um all i have to do is kind of um straighten my tie and um sort of try to smooth out the the wrinkles and and everything and i'm going to uh open up the door um can i help you there's a short woman on the other side of the door. She um, has shoulder-length black hair. She's maybe 25 or so like that. Um, and she's dressed in like this maroon sort of uniform. And uh, she just says, uh, um, uh, Yeah, they told me to come and tell you that the, the sheriff's here. Um, and he wanted to talk to anybody who saw what happened with the window last night so if you know you could come down to um the lounge and and talk to him that would be um would you be willing to do that would that be okay um yeah yeah so i'll I'll be right down Uh, i contemplate um turning around and, and grabbing my my suitcase and getting ready to leave but then i i decide to just leave it there and and head on down okay um dart do you stay at the uh, at the Four Seasons when you're in residency, or do you stay somewhere else uh, further away? He'd be staying at the Four Seasons. Okay. I think that you would probably also get the same knock on your door. Definitely before you wanted to wake up, but the sun is up and there's a young lady on the other side, if uh, you choose to answer. Yeah, Dart answers the door with sunglasses on and a cigarette hanging out of his mouth. What's going on, Moosh? Good morning. Um, hi. Uh, the the sheriff is here, and we were hoping that you would, uh, you know, go and talk to uh, him about what happened with, uh, well, you know, the window last night. Um, if you're willing, of course. Um. Oh, yeah. Uh, it's not a problem. Uh, I just need to get some coffee in me. Uh, she'll nod and kind of run off. Um, Dart and Elliot, you would probably be arriving to the lounge around the same time. You would see that somebody has already taken the time to uh, to put up 
um, pieces of plywood over these holes that were there from where the glass shattered all over both of you um, as you were standing near it. And you also see that near the plywood, just kind of wandering around with a... He's got this sort of, like, old-fashioned ear flap hat that seems to be kind of uh, made out of... You'd assume maybe beaver or something like that if you'd be the type of person that would know what fur it would be made out of, but otherwise... Um, it just looks like an animal skin hat that has, uh, you know, just kind of a rough sort of stitching to it. But he also has on a jacket with the badge and shield of the uh, Marinette County Police Department. And uh, he'll walk over and he'll nod at you and he'll say, uh, Well, good morning there, fellas. Uh, Orson Palmer, uh, Sheriff around these parts. Nice to meet you. Sheriff, uh, Balmer, good to meet you. Uh, I'm, I'm Dart. Dart Vandermeek. Nice to meet ya. And I'm Elliot Halloway, and I extend my hand to shake his. He'll give you a firm, sturdy grip. He's got a big walrus mustache, but, um, probably a few more days of growth over the rest of his face as well. It's cold this time of year. Most people don't shave super often. And he'll say, so, uh... Heard there was a bit of excitement around here uh, last night, so could you tell me about what happened? Well, from uh, what I remember, uh, we were drinking at the bar. It was me and Elliot and uh, Edgar, the bartender, and uh, the doors blew open a couple times. That was weird. I, you know, I've, I play here. I, I work here. Doors have never blown open before, and you know, we got them closed, and and they blew open a second time, and uh, Elliot and I went over and went to close them, and we saw what looked like... I, I saw handprints on the, on the glass, and uh, then when we got them closed, it looked like uh, the glass just shattered just out of nowhere. It was the weirdest thing. So you mean to say that there's some sort of... That they messed with the... The lock or something? You you saw a handprint, you said? Oh yeah, it looked like uh, Elliot. You saw it too? We saw handprints, and, but we didn't see anything make them. I, I also inspected the door after it flew open the first time. It, it was very odd. Uh, I went over to take a look at it, and the latch seemed to work just fine, yet moments later it blew open again. That's when we saw these handprints. It, it was as if, like, uh, you walked up to a cold window and placed your own hand on it and took your hand away. It would leave the imprint there. It's, uh, very odd. See, here's what I'm thinking, because, well, there's plenty of footprints out there. Not, uh, too many near the, near the patio doors there, but, you know, we got plenty of foot traffic. Plenty of people come in and out of this, uh, bar here. You had, uh band playing last night and I wouldn't go too far as to figure that somebody's probably just playing a prank or two if I were to guess it would have to be one hell of a prank I, I was at the bar here last night but uh, I didn't have a whole lot of money so I let's just say I still had my faculties about me here's the thing I don't got too much to go off of here I just uh Figured I'd come and ask you some questions, and if we figured, you know, there were some hooligans or something, we could 
try and canvas and see if any parents knew that their kids were out and mucking about, or... But... You I know, don't know. now that you say that, uh, the handprints did look, you know, pretty small. Like, it, it might have been a kid. You know, maybe he had, like, some snowshoes and they didn't leave tracks or something. I don't know. Well, it did snow a good bit. I'll, uh... I got my uh, deputy going and kind of patrolling the grounds a little bit here, too, so... I'll check in with Gary and see if he notices anything, because, you know, it's worth looking into, but I'll be completely honest, which is, uh, this might be a hard one to solve. Well, it's like you said, it's it probably just someone playing a prank, you know. Uh, I'm guessing they didn't even mean to break the glass, I don't know, maybe there is some sort of built-up, uh, what do they call it, bear? Bear, bear end metric pressure or something? I don't know. You know, maybe that broke the glass. My friend here brings up an interesting point. Um, what sort of instrumentation do you have at your at the ready? Because um, uh, perhaps using some methods that are uh, not quite the most usual would be the case here. Uh, I happen to come from a research background um, and I would say there's plenty of instruments I'd like to see used in this situation you think it was something to do with the music because i played a lot of places and none of the glass broke like that we don't got you know too much of nothing we got some radios and some snowshoes and uh some road flares and some guns that's about it here uh no magnetometers no geiger counters nothing I don't even know what in God's name that is. Right. Um, thank you, Sheriff. Uh, I hope we were we were of help. Like I said, I I think it was some kids, so I'm not too worked up about it. Like I said, I'll check in with Gary, and we're gonna, you know, try our best here. But anyway, uh, Mister, you said it was uh, Holloway, right? Correct. Nice to meet you, Mr. Holloway, and, uh... Likewise. Mr., uh... No, I, sorry, sir, I don't, uh, don't remember your name. And he'll look over at you, Dart. Uh, I'm the Dart, you know. We play here. I'm a pretty big name. You probably heard of me. You just forgot. It's fine. Oh, all right. Yeah, yeah, of course. Um, so anywho, I'm gonna go and, uh... See what Gary turned up out there. Um, you guys have a good rest of your day. Maybe I'll stop by uh, the bartender's house and see if he saw nothing. And uh, he'll walk out the hallway and disappear from your sight. <coughs> well, I don't think that's going to be very helpful, do you? I think they're going to do their, uh, their damnedest, but uh, I don't know. You know... It- we did have a couple drinks. Maybe something, did, you know, we didn't see happened, you know? Maybe we saw some things that weren't there, you know? Uh, well, I guess that's the only thing we can think about it at this point. It's no use in, in troubling ourselves. The one thing's for sure, waking up and being here in this moment. It, something definitely happened last night. Well, I mean, the glass for sure broke, but I don't know. I think maybe we, you know, might have been jumping to conclusions, you know. It's dark out there, there's been those, you know, those accidents and and whatnot, and, you know, 
just kind of got our hackles up, I guess, you know. Yeah, so you're going to be playing tonight again? Yep, this is our last show of the week, and then uh, we got two more next week. Yeah, well, um, good luck to you. I, I probably am going to try to get back to my original place of lodging that I had set up. Um, but, uh, yeah, it was, it was nice seeing you, nice hearing you play last night. Thanks, uh, it was, it was interesting meeting you, too, and, uh, you know, feel free to stop by again. I'll, I'll spot you a drink again, you know? <laughs> you, you make an interesting conversation, at the least. Uh, I'll, I'll definitely consider it, D'Artagnan. And I reach out my hand to shake his. Uh, yep. <clears throat> Love to see you again, Elliot. And I'll shake his hand. Yeah, and as I'm um, about to walk away, I'll um, look around for uh, a clock on the wall. Let's say it's a uh, quarter past nine a.m. All right, and then I'll um, look at my wristwatch and see if it matches. Um, it's slow by five minutes. All right, I'm going to adjust it and then uh, wind it up and then, you know, lift it up to my ear to make sure it's um, ticking properly. Yeah, it sounds fine to you. All right, and then I will uh, go back to my room and start um, gathering my things and start getting ready to check out. We're going to cut over to Ronnie. Uh, Are you awake at nine in the morning? Maybe like it's probably like 930 at this point. Yeah. Yeah, the uh, the um, you'll hear a knock at the door. Ronnie will answer, and uh, when he opens the door, he's just wearing his belted slacks and like a tank top undershirt, and he's right in the middle of running a comb through his pomade, and he's got like a Lucky's bouncing up and down in his lips as he talks, and he says, "Oh, hiya, Kappa. How's the beat?" Oh, you know, uh. Just checking into some things that uh, happened down there at uh, the Four Seasons. Uh, oh, listen, I didn't have anything to do with that fight. No, we're here about the uh, windows. The glass exploding, lake breaking, whatever happened there. Oh, sure, sure. So, uh, your friends say they saw uh, handprints or something like that. Uh, do you remember seeing something to, to that effect? Oh, sure. You want my full account? Uh, you got a Bible to swear on? No, this isn't really like a you're in trouble sort of thing. This is just a we're trying to figure out what happened and if there's any, you know, lookings into it that me and Deputy Gary got to do. Well, I got a pocket dictionary here. <clears throat> I, Ronnie Pinkerton, swear to tell the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth. Cross my heart and hope not to get ten years in the pen. He'll kind of, like, wide-eyed look at you, like, okay. Alright, here's the thing. After Vandermeek got done squeezing his organ, I started hollering her last call. But not before the three of us, that's Vandermeek, Frosty, and myself, had a bit of a something-something. Before you know it, there was just the three of us gabbing at the bar when the door blew open. We told it to button its lip, but then it did it again, and the glass broke. <laughs> Frosty thought it was a spook. <laughs> I think it was a something. Yeah, I never knew a little broken glass was worth calling a badge over, but hey, if you're looking for people to throw in the paddy wagon, I could make a few suggestions. No, that's not what we're doing here. We just got a call from the owner asking if we'd come and make sure that there wasn't nothing nefarious going on. He seemed a bit concerned, so we came and made the drive. What'd you say about handprints? Your friends said they saw some handprints, uh, some kids or something. Well, 
I can't say nothing about that. Funny thing is, though, we didn't see any tracks or nothing around uh, around the patio doors, so handprints would be pretty weird. Hey, can't you do that thing that they do where they, you know, when you breathe on the <laughs> and then he, everything kind of reveals itself? Don't ask me how I know about that. You do remember that all the glass got broken last night, right? Oh, that's right. You you were kind of there. Um, but I guess, you know, it's my job as a police officer to, you know, notice those sort of things. Listen, I gotta go to work, so if there's nothing else you need from me. No, by all means, if you gotta get going. You know, don't let me hold you up, pal. And he'll, uh, he'll, he and Deputy Gary will both, uh, nod at you and then make their way towards their car and drive off. I would be just hopping in my two-door coupe after I put a shirt on. I'm just going to go down to the Four Seasons. Okay. Elliot, what are you doing to try and secure a ride? Like, are you out front? Like, where are you right now? Um, I would be, like, after I get my suitcase together, I'm going to wheel my bike uh, down the hallway towards the checkout desk. And um, once I uh, get there, I'm going to start the sort of checkout process and, and ask about the weather. Oh, yeah, it looks real nice today. I don't see any reason that you couldn't make it all the way there if you're trying to. Uh, yeah, that I was hoping that would be the case. Uh, you know, the, the place I'm staying, it's just right off of the the main highway kind of right near the general store i'm guessing seven eight miles oh i know all about that that's the beaver trading post i know all about there well you're probably staying at their boarding house right next to it but yeah i know exactly what you're talking about yeah that that's the place thank you um and so uh yeah uh, that's good to hear that the roads are are good this morning um that'll work out fine after the stay last night, I think I, I will be departing uh, this morning, though. All right. Well, sorry to see you go, but, uh, you know, maybe if you're lucky, you'll be able to catch somebody trying to, you know, that'll give you a ride into town. I don't know. But good luck to you, sir. And, and to you. Um, also, uh, you said you're familiar with the, the boarding house, correct? Oh, Yeah. If it wouldn't be too much trouble, um, maybe after Nora comes in, um, could you have her call down there and ask for, for Elliot? Oh, yeah. No problem there. Uh, thank you. And she, you actually see her. She scribbles something down on a, on a piece of paper that's next to her. Okay. Can I see exactly what it says? Um, yeah, it just says... Uh, have Nora call Ghost Guy uh, at the uh, boarding house. <laughs> I, I just like <laughs> I try to make no reaction to that, but like um, I get kind of a, a scowl to my face and, and try my best to hide it. <laughs> um, I think that uh, Ronnie, you are making your way through the lobby um, as Elliot is making his way out the building. Oh, hiya, Frosty. You're looking the same as ever. If it isn't Ronnie Edgar, Edgar Ronnie, you you weren't very clear which one you preferred last night, so I, I figured I'd cover all the bases. We decided last night we were going to be friends. Better call me Edgar. <laughs> all right, Edgar. And I kind of uh, pat him on the shoulder. I, I'm just uh, 
heading into town after last night. I, I'd much rather stay at a different place, if you don't mind. Hey, maybe I'll go with you. Um, sure. I mean, I have my my bike right here. Uh, bike? Yeah, I mean, it's this thing in in my hands right right now. It's got handlebars and, and two wheels. You gotta be pulling my leg. You can't bike out there. There's like three feet of snow. Well, not on the roads, and, you know, I've got my parka. Hey, why don't you just leave it here? They'll take good care of it. We got a coat check and a bike check. I'll take you in my coop. <sighs> it is still pretty cold in the morning. Maybe, uh, maybe I'll take you up on it. And, uh, yeah, I'm gonna go, uh, stash my bike and... Hey, uh, let me go, uh, let me go pull it around. All right. We will cut over to Dr. Greenbank then. Do you have a specific destination that you are going? Um, I know that you said that you were driving north, but uh, did any of your research give you a specific spot that you would like to start heading towards? Uh, she's probably gonna head straight towards uh, Pembine. So you know that there are a couple of places that people kind of regularly hang out. Um, there is the bar restaurant, um, the beaver trading post. Um, you also could make your way to the Four Seasons. Obviously, people do spend quite a bit of time there. I think that you would probably uh, be maybe familiar with uh, with Father Jagelski, who is the Catholic priest of the church in Pembine. Since she knows the priest, she's probably going to go talk to him first just to get his read on the situation and uh, then go to the trading post to hear from some locals. It doesn't take you that long. It takes you maybe an hour and a half to make your way to Pembine. Um, and as you're heading down the, the main highway, it eventually turns into Main Street, which, uh, you know, runs you past the beaver trading post. It runs you past the little clinic that maybe you've been to, uh, that maybe you've been to before, maybe you haven't, but you know that there is a, like a, full-fledged operational doctor out here that uh, does some pretty darn good work. And when you get to the center of town, there is the there is a large cemetery, and then uh, right next to this cemetery plot is a, uh, like a farmhouse, and then a large steepled church as well. And uh, you would see that uh, the there's a man out, um, on the church steps and he's got a, a steel shovel in his hands and he um, has on a very thick wool hat and a large um, a large pea coat and mittens like wool, uh, woolen mittens on and these huge galoshes and he's shoveling off the, the front of the church. Okay. She'll like park and get out and walk up and be like hey there, I don't know if uh, Father Jadelski is in uh, he'll look up, and uh, you'll see that it is Father Jagelski when you get uh, close enough to him, and he'll say, Oh, hey! Uh, good morning! Hi! Are you cold? Do you want to come inside and, you know, get a get a coffee? I, I just wanted to ask you a couple questions. No problem. I, you know, just trying to get the sidewalk and step clean, but I also could use a break, so... Let's head on in and get some coffee. And um, you head inside and uh, the 
The house is connected to the um, the church, and so you make your way through the back, and uh, you know you go off to the right um, through a couple of doors and down some steps, and then you find yourself in this uh, two-story farmhouse, and you're in the kitchen actually, and you smell the um, very strong scent of coffee in the air, and uh, priest beckons for you to sit down at the table, and it's. You know, simple, but he sets a cup in front of you and a cup down for himself, and he pours a little bit of coffee in either of the mug, and then goes and puts the uh, the percolator back on the stove um, and turns the burner off. And he'll say, "So, uh, what you have in mind?" So I was wondering, you know those uh, those poor girls that disappeared up here. Yeah, I know Kathy and uh, and Beth pretty well. I know that the police have deemed it to not almost foul play, I could say, but um, it really ties in to some of the cases I've been researching, and I was wondering what your take on it was. You were the first person I came to. I mean, you know, I basically... uh from what I heard, they, well, Beth was involved in a relationship with, with a kid named Sam. He was a student um, near Marinette, and uh, I think they met last summer, about maybe, and uh, the way Sam tells it, they're madly in love and they were gonna run away together or something but it doesn't much explain why Kathy was there you know because I've I've met Sam or at least I know of him he seems like a pretty decent kid well uh, you know we all seem like uh, good people till we get a bit of the devil in us so that's very true you know this town has a it's got a sad history, you know. There's uh, proud people who want to spend a lot of their time outdoors, and when you challenge God like that, sometimes God calls your number, you know? Yeah, sure. And I'm not saying Sam had, you know, nothing to do with it, but, I mean, you go across those lakes, you step on a spot that's, Thin? He'll take a sip of his coffee. It is, you know, we do pretty much live in the tundra this time of year, so. You know, uh, my brother, uh, Peter, he, uh, he passed that way, uh, back in 42. Really? Oh, yeah. He, uh, was, uh, Walking across the lake, uh, looking for a spot to cut a hold of fish, and... My goodness, I'm, I'm so sorry. I'm just meaning to tell you that, you know, sometimes... Sometimes these things might seem like, you know, they're connected, but maybe they're not. Although maybe they are. I don't know. I just try to keep faith in God. Who's to say things happen, you know? So true. He'll take another uh, swig of his coffee. This entire time, 
He's like, as soon as he started talking about challenging God, Dorothy, who spends most of her time challenging God, <laughs> is just like, um, <laughs> um. <laughs> awesome. Um, I am going to cut over to the car with Elliot and Ronnie in it. So, did you get to meet the pair of legs he was looking for? Um, no, uh, I, I, I just left my contact information for her to reach out to me when she's, uh, ready. Oh, that's funny. I thought you might have bumped into her this morning. Uh, I didn't see her. Um, there was one of the hotel staff that, that, uh, got me from my room to talk to the sheriff, but, um, and then I, I saw one at the desk, but I didn't see her around. I, given how we la- left things off, I didn't want to um, ambush her. Left off? How? Um, yeah, I guess we never got all the way into the story last night. Um, she's my wife. I just haven't seen her in <clears throat> several years. Um, no fooling. Your wife. How about that? Boy, you letting a pair of legs like that walk around without you in front of all those men? You're living on the edge. You've been across the pond and you weren't even drafted. You went voluntarily. I tell you what, you're something else. I asked her to come with me, and, um... She... didn't want to go. Eh, that's a tough break, kid. So, you like fishing? (laughs) Can't say I've ever been lots of pretty lakes out here you know this used to be a, a logging community yeah i imagined a, a lot of the places up here are um beautiful forests yeah, until they lost the railroad i went to the museum read all about it wasn't that interesting lost the railroad well, i don't know something about the trade in this area that went down but uh here we are we got the four seasons in oh so a uh, just economically, uh, uh, I was just sort of curious. You don't just lose a railroad, so, uh... Oh, you thought it was maybe another one of those Kwanzaa things. Quantum, uh, yes. (laughs) I don't know nothing about that. You don't like burgers, do you? Uh, who doesn't? They got a nice joint up here that makes the best burgers around. What do you say? I'm sure they'll be fantastic compared to the burgers that they had where I just came from. Hey, it's on me today. Yeah, so, uh, did you really not see what happened last night? Oh, you talked about the, the glass breaking? Sure, I saw that. How about the other thing, the, with the hands, the... Did you hear the footprints coming up? The what? The... When we were up at the door, I and Dart, we could hear footprints, like, mushing through the, the snow. You could, you could hear the way that the snow would compact under the feet and then, you know we, we saw these hands as if like this something was climbing up the wall right in front of us right up the door huh if I'd known she was a featherweight I would have cut you off a lot sooner well that's the thing I, I'm not a featherweight and I, I didn't drink very much I, I get that you were a few feet further back than than Dart or I but uh, I can't believe you couldn't see it Listen, Frosty, did you have any crackers last night? I had some of the nuts at the bar. I'm telling you, I I was not inebriated. 
Like, you are nuts, all right. Listen, what we had was perfectly explainable. A little bit too much to drink, the wind blew in, and that's that. All right? Bound to give a fella some bad dreams. I was lucky enough not to have any dreams last night. All right, so let's consider this. Not till we get some coffee in us, huh? I'm going to pull into this parking space. Are you going to the beaver trading post? Because that's where most people would go. Otherwise, there is um, uh, there is the Pembine Diner as well. Um, I like the sound of beaver. I hate you so much. I fucking hate you. Well, do they have burgers there? You said you were taking me to go- grab a burger. Yeah, they have burgers there. It's fine. Oh, okay. So I lead Elliot in and we get a table and I assume we get some coffee and then I'm gonna say alright you're a smart guy so let's think smart let's say that you saw the things you saw well what's that about I mean the first thing that one would do is not leap to any conclusions but to totally disregard the matter altogether is also to me out of the question we need to find evidence, form a hypothesis, maybe figure out some way of testing it. It's a lot of work for a broken window. What if you just, you know, forgot the whole thing? Sweep it under the rug. Perhaps it might be the best thing to do. You don't think it was a spook, do you? <laughs> I, I, like I said, I, I wouldn't leap to any conclusions. I, I'm just, it, it's such a peculiar event. You know, there's a dame in town that talks about spooks a lot. And who might that be? Some kind of doctor. At least she calls herself that. I didn't know there could be women doctors, but apparently she studies things like ghosts and goblins. I don't know. The door literally swings open as you're saying that, Roddy. And you look over and you see Dr. Greenbank walking into the place. Speak of the doctor. Oh, here we have an... Another interesting occurrence. What a coincidence. Hiya, Dorothy. Oh, hiya, Ronnie. How you doing? Hey, come take a seat. Here, I'll get you a coffee. Hey, waitress. Bring us another coffee for the dame. Hey, don't snap at her and don't call me a dame. I'm old enough to be your mother. We gotta pick your brain about something. I scooch out of the, the seat and stand up to, to greet her. Listen, you can either call me... Oh, thank you, young man. Hello, it's wonderful to meet you and she'll, she'll shake your hand. Yeah. Uh, Elliot, um, nice to meet you. Well, first of all, all right, don't snap at her. She's, she doesn't make enough money to deal with you. You can ask her nicely to get her attention. And don't call me Dame. I'm old enough to be your mother. Sure thing, doctor. Call me Dorothy. You can call me Edgar. I had a bad experience with an Edgar. I'm not going to do that. (laughs) (laughs) Um, at this point, uh, Jan comes over and she puts a coffee in front of you, Dorothy, and she says, So, uh, anybody want anything to eat or no? Yeah, give us three burgers and an egg. And some burnt toast. Alright, and she'll, uh, bustle off to the kitchen. Listen, uh, Dr. Dorothy, where were you last night? Usually come down and listen to the jazz. I was home, uh, I was up in Marinette. Hey, missed a good night. I met my pal here, Frosty. He comes from across the pond. Came here to see his wife. Ooh, are you from King's College, Oxford, Cambridge? 
Uh, yeah, uh, Cambridge. Oh, interesting, interesting. I know some professors over there. Oh, uh, that's uh, quite amazing. Um, yeah, I'm studying under uh, Dirac. I've read some of his work. It's very fascinating. I, I couldn't believe I was accepted, and I, I am I, I'm actually featured on uh, the latest paper that he's put forward. Oh my goodness, that's wonderful! All right, all right, you don't need to write a book about it. I did write a book about it in '39. Tell him what happened last night. Go on, give it the dirt. All right. So you said you needed to pick my brain about something. Yes, uh, an interesting occurrence happened uh, after the show was over, and it was just after last call. The wind blew open the, the doors to that area, and so I, I went over to investigate, because the doors were shut firmly all night, and uh, the wind had been blowing plenty ever since uh, I had arrived. And, and with this all of a sudden burst open, we go and close them. Uh, I inspected the bolts. Uh, don't sing the lady to sleep. Tell her about the good stuff. It's important to get the whole story. All right. Always look for a practical explanation before anything else. <laughs> exactly. You two were made for each other. Well, moments later, after making sure that it was securely shut again, um, it happened a second time, followed by a very odd occurrence. There were sounds of footsteps coming from the outside, and then there were these handprints that appeared on the glass of the door and worked their way up towards the ceiling, and then all of a sudden the glass burst. I wasn't the only witness to this, it, there was also uh, the jazz player. Sure, Vandermeek was there. Vandermeek, yes. He said he saw it too. The handprints and everything. It's very, very interesting. Out of, she reaches into like her little like Grace Kelly style handbag and pulls out a stenographer's notepad and a pencil and starts like taking notes and she goes do you have is the, the window is obviously not still intact but there's no like shards that have prints or anything on them or at least none that you saw the police were there in the morning um obviously last night i was fairly shaken up by it i, I went directly to my room um thinking upon it now i should have investigated it further at the time Encounters with the paranormal are always frightening. Ooh, this is, this is, this is good stuff. Now, I know what you may be thinking. And we did have some things to drink. But Frosty here assures me he's a regular bogart at drinking. I didn't have that many, to be, you know, clear here. And I started late. Also, uh, just, I, I was fine. This, that isn't the issue. The overlap between alcoholics and academics is quite large. But usually not definitive. So, we're gonna take your word for it. Chemical influences notwithstanding. And you said this was at the Four Seasons? Sure, down in the lounge. Oh, in the Palm Lounge? Those beautiful windows. That's a shame. You know, thinking back on it, like the way that the windows burst, it was a uniform e explosion. They, it's not like the glass had like a sort of uh, um, central point in which the, the glass broke. It, it was all even, like thinking back on it now, the amount of energy that it would take to go from the solid state that it was in to this bursted 
form. Uh, it's, it's incredible. Sure is incredible. This is some good stuff. She's still uh, writing down stuff in her book, and she's just like, oh, all my books are in my car. So, you said there was another witness? The the musician? Yeah, he's still there. He's He's playing tonight again. Oh, I would love to speak to him after he gets, you know, I'm sure that there's some moonshine or something with his name on it. Just to loosen the lips a little no, bit. No, 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 there's no moonshine down in the palm lounge. <laughs> we don't store that sort Absolutely. of stuff. Absolutely not. Absolutely not. Nope. Absolutely not. Come to think of it, Ronnie, when is garbage pickup? Tuesday, I believe. So if that's the case, they probably still have the glass somewhere. Because the police were not bothered at all by taking any evidence, so whatever was there is still there. Uh, Dart, what are you doing right now? After his uh, companion leaves, he probably goes, checks on the band quick, and then uh, Dart's gonna go to the Mater D, would it be? The, the person kind of running the hotel? Oh, um, you, do you want to talk to the, like, the, the manager? Yeah. Uh, Solomon Fields. And, uh, so you, you've, uh, spoken with him on a multitude of occasions and things like that, and so you know where his office is, and so when you get to, uh, the more administrative area of the Four Seasons, you go up a stairwell and you knock on the door and, uh, you hear... Yeah, come in. And when you get inside, it is a very um, rustic but nice-looking office. Uh, everything is um, with natural wood. There's um, there's some uh, bookshelves to either your left or your right, and then this very large oaken desk in the center, and there is a very dapper-looking man in a suit. Um, he's got a pencil-thin mustache, and his hair is greased back, and he says... Hey, Dodd, how you doing? What can I do for you? Oh, hey, Mr. Fields. I uh, just wanted to talk to you a little bit about uh, last night, I suppose. Oh, yeah, anything for you, baby. What a Del old Saul here, what you need, and I got yous, okay? Uh, I'll pull out a cigarette and offer another one to him. Uh, yeah, he'll take it from you and he'll light it up. <sighs> well, Saul, uh... Just wanted to know, I, I know the show is scheduled for tonight, but with that uh, broken door in the lounge, you think we're going to be able to play? Oh, there's no question about it. You're going to be fine. You're going to knock him dead, baby, I'm telling you. There's no problem there. And he starts, like, running through long, quick platitudes with you. And this is very normal for your conversations with Solomon Fields. However, the big bay window directly behind his desk as he's speaking begins to frost up and you watch as these small handprints begin to crawl and cover them slowly and it gets to maybe three quarters of the way what would you like to do i'm going to uh start backing away from the window and uh like point at it and uh Hey, Saul, Saul, something's... Are you seeing that, too? Saul turns around, and as soon as he spins, 
the window looks incredibly normal to you, and you assume to him because he then turns back around and looks at you like, uh, what's going on here, baby? Are you okay? You had a little bit too much to drink, or maybe you need a drink. I can pour you one right now. What do you need? No, 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 that's, that's all right. I uh, still, I guess I'm still a little shaken up over, over last night, and, uh, you know, uh, I think I might, I think I might need to go, uh, get a coffee and calm down or something, you know. Well, you don't got to worry about a thing here, baby, because we're going to employ you. We're going to have people there. It's going to be great. I'm telling you, okay? You know, you, you've always been good to me. I trust you, but uh, actually, there's one other thing you could do for me. Anything, baby. What is it? You think I might be able to meet up with uh, the head housekeeper? Her name's, uh, starts with an N. Um, Nancy? No. Uh, Nora, I think. Oh, you mean Nora? Yeah, absolutely. I can. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No problem. I'll uh, send her down to to knock on your door when she's got a free moment. Oh, that, that'd be really wonderful. I appreciate that, sir. I'll, I won't take up too much more of your time. All right, Mr. Vandermeek. You have a good rest of your day. And you knock them dead tonight, all right? Oh, you know it. I'll hurry out quickly out of his office. Crazy words, crazy tune, all that you'll ever hear him croon. The Devil's Antlers is a Time to Die podcast network production. We have many shows available, such as with Fillmore's Crossing, which you heard from The Spectre at the intro of this episode. Find all of our shows at timetodierpg.com. If you would like to support us financially, you can pledge any amount of money at patreon.com slash timetodierpg or make a one-time donation at ko-fi.com slash timetodierpg. We have merchandise at sonerdware.com slash timetodie. And if you use the discount code timetodie at checkout, you'll get 10% off your entire purchase. The ukulele music you're hearing right now is by Charlotte Pelgin. Find her at charlottepelgin.com, or her social media links are available in the description of this episode. She just released a brand new album, and you should definitely check it out if you like early era swing and jazz music. You can find all of our social media accounts, as well as those of our players, in the episode description. Our crew for this show was Tim Demuse, Chris Riley, Aubrey Gray, Eric Pat, and I'm Brian Bridges. Thanks for joining us, and we'll see you next time for more of The Devil's Antlers.